All right, everyone. Welcome back. We've got another episode today. So, oh, usually Matt is the one this season that's been having rough weeks, more so than me at least. But I don't know. I've been in a rough stretch now, a couple, two weeks in a row. So, uh, it doesn't feel too good. I want to go back to Matt being the one in pain. <laughs> now you know how it feels, right? <laughs> The life of a cowboy fan. Yeah, see, maybe this means I'm becoming more of a Dolphins fan. I don't know. Well, let's get we'll get into it. But as usual, I want to kick it off with the Cowboys. So they got the win over Houston, but it was not pretty at all. So I can't imagine you're too happy. And let me just say how you were saying they're the best team in the league right now. Right, I think we can denounce that after this Sunday's performance, but I'll let you uh, comment on that. But you know, Cowboys gonna do Cowboys things in the regular season, I guess. Make it close without or for no reason. <laughs> but they got the win, Matt. How are you feeling? You know, it's a lot of mixed emotions. Not very good in the sense that we were favored by seventeen which was the largest point spread this season. We ended up winning by four. 17 in an NFL game is unheard of. That's massive. Wow. Even Because, I mean, 10 is, just for perspective, people that don't really pay attention to game lines and stuff, 10 points in the NFL is, you know, a considerable margin. So a 17-point game in it, or a 17-point line in an NFL game, that's ridiculous. Okay. Wow. But at the same time, a win is a win in the NFL. And my team is 10 and 3. I really can't complain about that. So it's a lot of good, a lot of bad too. But mostly bad in terms of how the game was played. And none other than the star, the man himself, who always seems to bring this team down, it seems like. My quarterback, my quarterback, my, what is it? $75 million quarterback, Mr. Prescott, was terrible for the first 58 minutes of the game. And I was I was ready. Greg, I was ready to just come in. I was just going to rip him to shreds. Like, this is why, you know, we need Cooper Rush, which I still believe the game would have been a little different if we had Cooper Rush behind center. But we can save that for another day. But I was coming in. I was ready to just tear Dak Prescott to shreds. And he pulled off a, I wouldn't say impressive two-minute drive to win the game, but a a much-needed two-minute drive to save the Cowboys from being the laughingstock of the NFL. Um, But this is kind of what Dak Prescott is and why it's so frustrating as a Cowboys fan because, you know, you see that potential. You know, he can be great. You know, 98-yard game-winning drive, 11 plays, exactly what you need from a franchise quarterback. But then there's the bad, which kind of seems to happen most of the time to me. Through two interceptions, again, he leads the NFL in turnovers or interceptions since he's been back. Oh, that, okay. Since I mean, been, that, okay. I was gonna since say, he's wow. been back. If he's leading yeah. in the 
league total missing what six games or four games i forgot but that's that's terrible i mean that's a recipe for disaster two picks again and two of them terrible terrible picks the first one i mean i don't even know what he was looking at like the guy was right in front of him second one you know i thought that was going to be the dagger that just lost us the game because we were down at that point and he throws a pick Texans get the ball at the five yard line of Dallas. I'm like, this game's over. Dak, you just can't do that. I mean, throws it into a triple. There's like three guys around his receiver. Like, what, what, what in your right mind, like, would you even throw that ball? And on the play before, he fumbled the ball and we got the ball back. So, like, it was just like a total chaos. And then, you know, moving on to his stats, right? I found this stat. Online too, he was six of fourteen on passes ten yards or more. That's terrible. That's terrible. That means all he's doing is dinking and dacking like how he was before as a rookie. As a franchise quarterback, I would hope you can throw the ball with efficiency for ten yards. I mean, that's that's you're a freaking NFL quarterback. <laughs> if you can't do that, you have no business being the starter. So just so many things. With Dak, that just—it's not just me. I know it's all the Cowboy Nation. Uh, we're we're frustrated. We're really we really are frustrated because this guy is the make or break for our season. If he plays like two minute drill, tap Dak Prescott at the end of the game, we're winning the Super Bowl. But if he plays like how he did, the first fifty eight minutes of the game, we're gonna be out in the first round again. And we're going to have the same discussion as we did last year. But now there's a more emphasis because there's a guy named Cooper Rush that bursted onto the scene and gave us the blueprint of how we should win games. I don't care if my quarterback is being paid $100 million or $100,000. The best thing you can do is you win games. Cooper Rush won us games. It wasn't the prettiest, but he won us games. He took care of the ball. We got a run game going. Right, This game, we went away from the run. 39 passes, 31 rushes. This is Kellen Moore getting too pass happy. Something about Dak, he just gets so pass happy and he just loses sight of what, what he has in front of him is the best one-two punch at running back. Zeke Elliott, you know, being healthy again, showing some signs of life and some burst. And obviously Tony Pollard coming on you know, we all know what he's capable of doing, but you just go away from that. And, you know, this is the typical Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore stuff. And what did I say last week about Kellen Moore? I was praising him because he was getting C.D. Lamb involved. He was motioning him. I was like, I love this. This is exactly what I've been crying for. We got none of that. We, we went back to, oh, yeah, let's run it up the middle again. Oh, let's make Dak throw it, you know, almost 40 times a game. That's not going to work. That's just back to our old ways. So I, it, it concerns me when we are lucky we played the Texans, but everybody's going to have off days in the NFL. So this is just a bad day for us. But, you know, as we go, go through this game, uh, defensively was a little concerning for me. And I know a lot of the emphasis was put on them because our quarterback put them in terrible situations. 
with his turnovers and also the muff punt by Kevontae Turpin in that first quarter that gave them a short field. So a lot of short fields for the Texans, which they got points off of. But I'm a little concerned with my cornerback play. Uh, not necessarily Trayvon Diggs. He's kind of established himself as a as a true number one. But we lost Anthony Brown. He's out for the season. Jordan Lewis was out for the season a while back. So I'm down my second and third best corners. And in comes Kelvin Joseph, who was a second round pick. And he, I can strongly say, is a bust. Looks terrible. Just everyone is picking on him. He's getting mossed by... Was it Chris Moore? Like, who is that? Like, the Texans. You're getting mossed by the Texans and Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. They're playing two quarterbacks. They don't even have one quarterback. They're playing two quarterbacks. And somehow we just, we couldn't stop them. Like, that. that's a cause for concern for me. And as we get into the playoffs, because Dallas is one win away from clinching a playoff spot. So the odds of them getting in the playoffs are looking good so once we face those better quarterbacks mr brady jalen hurts who knows we gotta we gotta be able to stop that and if kelvin joseph cannot step up we're toast we're toast and then also you know going back to my guy the heart and soul of this team to me micah parsons where you at bro i mean this is two two games back to back uh, really a no-show on defense. Um, I hate to say it, but he's not the defensive player of the year to this point. I, th- I think it's Bosa's to lose, unfortunately. But I like Judon too, though. I Yeah. But where where are you? I mean, you're playing the Colts and the Texans. I would think you would be like, yeah, this, I'm going to lick my chops. Like I'm going to get two sacks a game, be flying all over the field. It wasn't him. It was Leighton Vanderesh this game. I mean, Leighton Vanderesh is all over the field. I think he had 14 tackles. You know, he's he's starting to look like old Wolf Hunter a little bit. But I need Micah Parsons to to be consistent. And I always get on other players, you know, Justin Jefferson or all these other guys. They got to be consistent, and that's that's what you got to be, Micah. I'm sorry. You want to be the best. You you got to show up every game, and you can't be taking you know, games off or not showing up because we needed you. I was hoping and praying that you you made a play for us because we we needed you against the Texans, which is hard for me to say, but he was a no-show. There was no impact felt. And I need to see more of that. And then, you know, lastly, you know, the injuries are starting to pile up. It's a little concerning. Jonathan Hankins, our interior defensive tackle, he's hurt. Uh, Jake Ferguson, our tight end too, who I really like, was really out for this entirety of the game. We don't really know the severity of his injury, but that's a huge loss. But most importantly, we lost Terrence Steele to a torn ACL. He's our starting right tackle. He has been a rock there. He's been outstanding. Um, I, I think that's a huge loss because now we tried shuffling in Josh Ball that was a disaster, you know, gave up, you know, two negative plays and we had to throw in Jason Peters, you know, the veteran into right tackle, but that's not his natural spot. He's more of a left tackle, I would say, but I think he's going to have to end up playing there because we got nobody else. 
So Jason Peters to me, um, he's got to step up because we lost well, who I think Terrence Steele was playing at a Pro Bowl level this year. So I'm a little concerned there. But at the same time, I'm going to be positive because we did have a nice two-minute drive that started with a defensive stop. Dak Prescott throws a pick. I was ready to flame him on this podcast. But somehow, the defense stops the Texans. First thing, go on the five. We stop them. They don't score. And we see Dallas execute a terrific two-game, or excuse me, two-minute drill down the stretch. Dak Prescott was spreading the ball around. Dalton Schultz got going late, which was nice. Um, And then Zeke obviously capped it off with the powerful touchdown run. So I like that we have that ability. You know, we, we can do it. So now it's just more about being consistent because uh, we can't be doing this in the playoffs. And especially next week too, because Jacksonville is a tough opponent because they slaughter Tennessee. So we definitely can't take them lightly. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. Any Dallas Cowboy win means I'm happy at the end of the day. And I'm glad it's me that's happy and not you because, you know, I I suffer my entire life being a Cowboys fan since they haven't been to NFC Championship since 1996. So, yeah, it feels good. Back-to-back 10-win seasons, I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's go to Jacksonville. Yeah, hey, can't sleep on these Jags anymore either. I mean, they just beat the Titans, so gonna be this one might be a little bit of a trap game i think if if your cowboys aren't ready but yeah you you said it all with that so uh let's move on to the miami game so big sunday night game got flexed into prime time right miami is going into la taking on the chargers big game for both of these teams uh miami for them to keep pace with buffalo for first place in not only the east but you know in the in the AFC for the one seed. Uh but you know didn't get the result that we wanted. So I've like just gonna be honest, the Chargers they only won by six points and it should have been much more with how the game felt anyway. I mean the Chargers just felt like they completely dominated uh this game. Uh and I was surprised really more so defensively and I think this goes to a credit of the scheme that their DC put together because, you know, this whole year we've been seeing guys like Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and, you know, even their other receivers running wide open down the middle of the field. And, you know, they did a really good job of sticking to those guys. And, you know, it, it was just tight window throws that I think, the receivers weren't really accustomed to making uh, just because they've been so wide open this year, right? They've been so good at getting depth past the linebackers uh, in between the safeties and then two was just dicing them up. But uh, yeah, the Chargers came out with a great plan, shorthanded too, you know, no Derwin James, no Joey Bosa. And, you know, they were still getting to Tua. So, first of all, I want to give credit to the Chargers because they played well. But, you know, I want to give a little bit of credit to Miami's defense as well because, really, this game, I thought, should have been a blowout with how many times, you know, 
I think they punted on their first three drives. You do that against the Chargers at home. And, you know, the Chargers are an explosive team. They put up 400-plus yards of offense. Justin Herbert threw for 300-plus yards. So, but, you know, they made the stops uh, when they needed to. A couple big fourth-down stops that kept them in the game. And, you know, even as bad as Miami's offense looked, uh, they they hit the one bomb to Tyreek Hill right on the sideline. And to me, that is the explosiveness that will always give them a puncher's chance to stay in these games. I mean, if, if it's not Tyreek, even Jalen Waddle, you know, has breakaway speed too. So it was, it was a rough game Tua did not look good. You know, the offense in general, I think didn't look good. I just think they got out schemed personally. Uh, they, I didn't really see too many adjustments other than they started going, uh, trying to hit Tyreek on the outside, but as bad as it looked, I, I think you don't need to panic just yet because they're still in it, right? And I just think their offense always has a chance. Even this, the Niners game that they lost last week, right? They hit a big play, and they're right back in it. So, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle just gives you that element to to hang around and, you know, make make teams pay. But let's get to the real real debate that everyone you know has been talking about the Tua versus Herbert debate right um I I guess I mean at this point can't really argue just their individual talent right like really it's you can just see it I mean Justin Herbert is just he's just bigger faster has a stronger arm uh probably you know the accuracy is they're pretty comparable I would say uh when you know, they both have time. So, and that's really, I mean, Tua probably, uh, he makes just those anticipatory throws, but Herbert's arm is just so good. He doesn't need to really anticipate things, you know, uh, like Tua does. So, I mean, Justin Herbert's probably up there with uh, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Burrow as that elite quarterback group. Uh, but, you know, the only thing I really think that holds Justin Herbert back is he's on the Chargers. And it's something about that Chargers curse, Matt. And I think you know what I'm talking about. There, It's like the, the Falcons, right? Just something about that team that will always give you a chance late in the game. So this game should have been over, right? But here they are. You know, they're hanging around. They had a chance to really put Miami away. And, uh, you know, they only come away with a field goal. It's still a two-possession po- two game. Uh, Miami comes down, kicks a quick field goal. You know, it's a three, it's a one possession game now. It's six points, and Gerald Everett bobbles the onside kick. Right, it like kicks off his shin. I think it, it was Palmer, or was it Palmer? Okay, it was I think Palmer. it was Palmer. I know it was one of their like receivers. So I'm like, oh my god, the ball's on the ground, and it's it's a scramble, right? And it's like, how can that that should never like he had forever for that ball to come to him, right? He's He was tracking it the whole way, and it could have... One bounce, right? It could have easily gone to Miami. And if you even want to reflect before that, Justin Herbert fumbled the snap under center, and he was able... Like, he was luckily able to pounce on it. But, you know, it's just, like, things like that that, to me, still, I'm... 
maybe it's not so much on Justin Herbert, but that Chargers team in general, that they're not ready to be that like elite level team just yet. Because it's like things like that, like no. the the special teams and the I mean, even Herbert, he just dropped like I don't know if you saw it, Matt, but he just fumbled the snap. And I mean, there he I mean he just dropped it, you know? So it's just things like that, man. It's like the Chargers and I you just can't like every time they think you're like, oh yeah, this team is ready to go. They'll make errors like that or something like that to give the other team a chance. And um I mean they're still not even in the playoffs as it currently stands because New England won. So they might not even be a playoff team at this rate. It's gonna be kind of interesting to see how they perform down the stretch. But I will say it was good, a good showing for the Chargers. Um but I, like I said, I'm still not worried. Now, I'll be worried, Matt, if we go and Miami goes into Buffalo this weekend, and I don't see any adjustments on offense. Right? That if there's no run game effectiveness, or there's they're still running the same, um, you know, over the middle RPO type of stuff, and Buffalo, I'm sure, has adapted and has watched the film from the past two games. They're going to be implementing a lot of that stuff. So to me, this is gut check time for the, these Dolphins, right? I said it, the December schedule is going to be tough. They lost their first two uh, to pretty good teams. And now they got the three divisional games coming up. So, uh, oh, I mean, they got the Packers in there as well. But, you know, they got Buffalo on Saturday in Buffalo, who we, they already beat this year. I'm sure Buffalo's hungry uh, for revenge. So this is... This to me is the game that is gonna gut check and set the tone for the rest of the season. Uh, so I don't know. I think well for Miami, they're going into a snowy weather condition. Like you talk about adjustments, I, I like the one thing I don't understand with Mike McDaniel is he came from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Where where's the run game like? I thought that was part of the whole West Coast offense, like to establish a power run game. And I know they have Tyreek. I know they have Jalen Waddle. Like it's really hard to, you know, go away from them. But I'm I'm a firm believer of running the ball. I don't care who my quarterback is. You gotta establish a run game. And it seems like, you know, like two is not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, where he can just outthrow you to me. You gotta have some kind of balance in your run and pass like Dallas. Like I don't want Dak Prescott throwing 50 times and running it 20 times. Like I want it 50, 50 or 60, 40 in the run game. Like I know they lost Jeff Wilson, but you know, you had Jeff Wilson, you had Raheem Mostert. That's a nice one, two punch. You got like, that's how you take pressure off of Tua in this game who was struggling. I mean, he was 10 for 28. That's terrible. Yeah. So you got to take pressure off of Tua and that's McDaniel. Your quarterback's not on his game. Even more so, I'm going to try to establish a run game. If you want to use Tyreek, maybe use him in the run game. Again, Kyle Shanahan tree. You saw what he did with Debo. You can use Tyreek and just get him the ball in space. So I need to see more of that from Miami, I think. Um, Because if if they, like you said, they keep doing this, teams are going to figure them out. Mm -hmm. And the good teams, they'll they'll stop them. Mm -hmm. They're going to stop them. So I need to see a little more uh, creative run game from Mike McDaniel because he has the knowledge. He's He's been there, been with the right coach to to learn it from. So he needs to get back to that philosophy and 
I know it's hard with the Tyreek, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle I mean, toys. If we're gonna talk about Tyreek, we gotta talk about the fumble touchdown too. <laughs> by the way, ridiculous. <laughs> That's um, crazy. Like for I know you know Alok Gilman, he was kind of all over the place, right? Kahuku, Kahuku boy, right there. Uh, there, we had two, uh, Hawaii boys starting on the defense, right? For Hoko too was starting for the Chargers, so, uh, I mean, at least they got the win. But you know, he ripped the fumble from Jeff Wilson, and I was like, oh man, here we go. Sure enough, somehow the ball squirts out to Tyreek, and he just outruns everyone. Like, so even more so, really, Miami only put up ten conventional points, if you want to call it that. Uh. That that Tyreek touchdown was a little fluky, but that that was one play that I was just like, oh yeah, Tyreek still got it. If I don't think anyone has been saying he's like slowing up, but he's not slowing up anytime no. soon. He's he in his a, prime. He was also on a bum ankle this game. Uh, he got a little. He rolled it, and uh, he still burned his the DB on that go route <laughs> for the touchdown. So just insane. Uh. And then the other call, I don't know if you're watching Matt, uh, just really quickly, but the roughing the passer call, I'm not sure if you saw that one. They called on, on Herbert. On Herbert from Jalen Phillips. I mean, I know I was uh pro, pro Miami, but just ob- objectively watching that hit, I was like flabbergasted. I mean, I think the whole league, everyone was just tweeting about it. Um, it was just like a regular tackle, and I'm like, you know, I get the if he drove him into the ground, but it's like he tackled him and he he tried to brace his arms. And I was just, I don't know. Luckily, the penalty didn't really matter because they ended up punting, but it still ran two minutes of clock uh, for the Chargers, right? They had a couple more plays. Getting, I was just, I don't know. That play was pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they got to fix something about these yes. roughing the passers. Uh, I agree. Um, anyway, yeah, that one was rough. And uh, no Atlanta to talk about. Doesn't matter. Marcus is not starting anymore, <laughs> so it's Ritter time. He might be out for the see. season, too. Did you see that? Marcus? Yeah. Adam oh, Schefter tweeted they might put him on IR. What? He's hurt? Oh, I didn't see you. So if, they, if he goes on IR, then he's out. He's done for the season because they're out for four weeks at a minimum. Yeah. And uh, well, they lose one game and they're eliminated from the playoffs so um i mean unless tampa loses that actually no they can't hey, they all... the nfc south is close man it's they're only one game back yeah you never know um that's a that's a different story so speaking of the nfc south that's a good transition let's get into the purdy brady thing um so the niners right dominated the bucks matt Sheesh. just really quickly is this just proving how limited tampa bay is on offense or is this are we crediting uh mr purdy and shanahan uh to their offense because to me i mean obviously this game wasn't even close but um what do you think it was i think it's more kyle shanahan and credit to them i mean they destroyed the goat with their third string quarterback and what did we say right the 49ers have a plethora of weapons at the skill position, and they were on full display. Christian McCaffrey was going crazy, 100 yards rushing. Uh, Ayuk had a nice touchdown grab. I know Debo, he was getting going early until he got hurt, which yeah. is kind of unfortunate for them. 
Um, they still got Kittle. He was making timely catches. So it was really a, a clinic by the 49er offensive scheme. And I got to say this. So I was watching this game a little bit. And, you know, talking about Purdy, Rock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, I don't know how 49er fans feel about this one. But dare I say, I think Brock Purdy is better than Trey Lance. <laughs> That's right. This is coming from a Cowboys fan, too. Like, the way I watch Purdy, it's like the team just, like, rallies around him. It's like it's like that Taylor Heineke, like, mm, aura. That's a good... That's versus, a good, like, uh, Carson Wentz to me. Good like, comparison. Carson like Wentz, Wentz... Probably more talented, right? Physically. Yeah, he's got the talent. Trey Lance, you know, skilled player. But, like, I don't see the team coming together. Like, you could see, like... And the fans are, like... They were into it too. They were chanting "Purdy, Purdy." Oh, yeah. Like they I were, mean, we all they were going crazy. But I, but where is that for Trey Lance? Like there was none of that when he started or when he came in last year for Jimmy G. Like I didn't see any of that. Like the fact that Purdy can, you know, as Stephen A. says, galvanize the troops. Right. I think that's huge to have a quarterback like that who can take a team and bring them together more. And I I feel like. I don't know. Like, I know Jimmy G is the guy, and he's to me, he's the best quarterback on the roster. But for Purdy to kind of keep this band together and the way that he played 16 and 20, 185 yards, two touchdowns. He ran for a touchdown, too. I mean, uh, he, that's, had, he has some swag. That's perfect. He that, plays with exactly. Some swag. I like that. Yeah. And he's got confidence. Yeah. So I don't know, 49ers, this is your problem for next year, but I don't know. I think it's time to say Trey Lance is done. Because this kid Purdy has I think he he's got something. He's got some game and there's no way you can keep him off the be- on the bench if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, I agree. Um I also think though it's just just a little comment, you know, Trey Lance had all the hype and expectation, right? So you're kind of hoping for great you're expecting greatness i should say right with trey lance high draft pick you know we know the talent that he has brock purdy you know mr irrelevant it's a great story he knows the shanahan scheme really well um so it's probably a perfect storm for him right now like the media attention you know the cinderella story all that so we'll see how that plays out the rest of the season i do like what i've seen so far it's not like i'm discrediting him at all i think he's playing really well but just like all the hype, I think it's a mix of a couple things. Um, but I agree, you know, with like we've been saying, the Jimmy G, just even with the Jimmy G situation, you know, he they both operate and know Shanahan's scheme and can run it effectively, right? So it's a mix of, you know, Trey Lance in this offense. Is he going to, is this the best place for him to be displaying that kind of talent? Uh, you know, whereas if he's in a more Mahomes Allen based offense, he's kind of the star. He can go run around, be a playmaker. Right. But this offense doesn't seem to be based around the quarterback being the playmaker. Right. It's like, get the ball out quick, hit, hit your playmakers in space. So uh, that might be the only thing that, you know, if you're the GM or if you're John Lynch, right. You kind of take a look at there, but yeah. Hey, shout out to Brock Purdy, man. I hope he does well. Um, Okay, well, let's transition stories. So the other story, Thursday night game, 
that we didn't see coming, right? Uh, and I think a lot of the league did not see coming. Baker Mayfield comes in and uh, leads the Rams, you know, last second touchdown game-winning drive and uh, shock. I mean, I was surprised, you know, I it's not like I don't know what big Baker could do this. He, he can do this, right? I, he's capable of doing that. We just haven't seen it consistently enough in his career. Uh, but I will say the thing that I was most impressed by Baker was him coming in on two days notice, two days notice to run an offense that effectively. I think he only had a couple plays where you could tell things, the communication was just botched. But that's to me like, and I'm not a big Baker fan. I'll say that, but the way he operated that offense uh, I think that's a credit to him, Sean McVay, that whole staff for getting him ready and him putting in the work over the 48 hours. And, you know, hey, props to Baker because he might have just kind of re- bought a couple years on his career with that game, honestly. Uh, and so he's probably going to be the starter moving forward for the Rams. And as great as it was by Baker, I just got to say, it's even more embarrassing of a loss for the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. I mean, it was, a, I mean, c- props to you, Baker. You came, you balled out in the situation that you were you were in. But if you're the Raiders, how do you let that happen? Right? And I'm looking towards Josh McDaniel because we brought this up several times this year on, on the pod. And it's the playing to not, not to lose. That is like killing teams, right? This game, for example... Uh, I mean, Jacobs only had 99 yards rushing on, what was this, 27 carries. He's averaging three, less than four yards a carry, and you're still choosing to just pound because you're running clock because it's like, hey, Baker doesn't know what he's doing over there, right? I'm trusting my defense. But Derek Carr only threw the ball 20 times. Two of them were picked, right? I know one of them, he just floated in the end zone. That one was really bad. But to me, you got to be aggressive. I mean, Devontae was winning one-on-ones. Uh, consistent against Jalen Ramsey, right? Early, so to me, like, keep keep being aggressive, you know, taking shots. But you know, I guess Josh McDaniels decided, hey, we got to star in Josh Jacobs, which they do. But the Rams just started keying in on on the run, kept you know kept the Rams in it, and all you need is a couple big plays by Skoranek and Van Jefferson and Baker Mayfield, and that's the game. Right, it, they just let them hang around, and it's like, I'm glad I'm not a Raiders fan because I would lose my mind. I, it, it's the dumb plays too, like that last drive. The, oh my goodness, when he knocked the ball out. Uh, of, uh, yep. So that's a free fifty at, after a sack. After like you a got sack. a sack too. That's worse. And then what's worse to me, okay, outside of that, is the touchdown to Van Jefferson. Why are you leaving your corner one on one? Like, you know they need a touchdown. <laughs> like, you should have two, at least three safeties back there. Yeah. Like, and why? Why is your corner playing press coverage? <laughs> like, like, I, it's like, just all these things went wrong for the Raiders. And credit to Baker because he did see that, and he made the perfect throw, perfect read. But my goodness, who is whoever that? I don't even know who their D- DC is, but he should be fired for that. Like, that's that's terrible. That's terrible coaching. They yeah. need a touchdown. You're defending the end zone and you're playing one on one. Yeah, you don't have to play them the goal route. 
You don't need to play prevent. No, but, but at least cover safety two or back. something. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play, you know, one-on-one coverage for some reason, tell your corner to back off. <laughs> don't let them get beat deep because you want them. They had no timeouts, so yeah. you can let them tackle, tackle in the middle of the field, and the game's gonna be over. Raiders just gonna co- Raider. Just the coaching and everything, man. It's oh, I couldn't. I can't believe that. I mean, hey, props to Baker though. Good for you, but yep, just Chicken inex- inexcusable. Oh, if you're the the Raiders there, but okay, Matt. Really quickly, just wrap up our uh, NFL segment. So Odell doesn't. Well, let's we'll wait on this because the verdict is out now. After uh, the Cowboys reports are coming out. We don't know when he's going to play or if he will even play this year. Uh, I guess we don't really know how that knee is going to be. So we'll hold off on that. But the Cowboys did make a signing today. Mr. T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I guess he's been a free agent for some time. So thoughts on this, Matt? Uh, you know, I I like it. It doesn't hurt because I, I think I mean, T.Y. is 32. 30- Two, 33 years mm-hmm. old so it we're literally signing him for this year only and that i like that i like that signing because i look at ty he's you know obviously the potential he, he was a pro bowl player in his prime but he's an injury prone receiver and t- do i expect him to stay healthy for a full season and the playoffs probably not but you know with a few the home stretch coming up obviously the playoff run I think he can make an impact. I really do. Um, he's a guy who can get down the field, which is something that we don't have. right? So he can be kind of like that deep threat on the outside. Compare him with Michael Gallup as a jump ball receiver. You allow CD to kind of work underneath a little bit more with Schultz. So I think it just opens up the field a little bit more for Dak Prescott. So I, I, I like it. No diva really. So I'll, I'll take it. Did I want Odell? A healthy Odell? Of course, I did. But if Odell cannot play this year, I have no business in signing him. So props to Jerry for, for not really caving in and uh, you know focusing on this year. So I, I'm, I'm okay. I want to give him a couple games. He needs a couple games to really get, get going a little bit. So I'm going to hold off that judgment. But the initial signing is, is pretty good to me. I like it. Okay, yeah. I mean... That's a good I think that's a good solid pickup because right, CD and uh Gallup are they're great. They have great hands and stuff. But to me, I see them as more vertical threats. Now you got like a little Cole Beasley back. I can see TY filling that role, right? That little mm-hmm. slot guy. So that'll be interesting. Um but yeah, there's a lot of NFL action this week. Better for you, not as good for me, but We'll take a quick break here and uh, cover some other sports, some very important sports news for Matt. So we'll be back. Okay, so let's get to the other bit of big news that happened since we last recorded. Matt is stoked. Um. So Aaron Judge re-signed with the Yankees. What was the deal, Matt? Nine years, three hundred sixty million. So forty million a year. So the Yankees got their guy. 
he made it a little interesting because you know i'm actually happy with this because it doesn't sound like the dodgers were serious contenders at the end and so the other two teams in the running besides the yankees padres and the giants i'm glad he's staying in new york i am perfectly happy with that matt i'm sure you're stoked uh but as a yankees fan what message does this send to you he wants to win in new york and that he cares about the brand and his his legacy and what he built right there's the report you know the giants offer him a little bit more money the padres had that ridiculous offer 10 years 400 million dollars which is absurd to me i don't know where they're getting that money but we can talk about them a little bit later but for aaron to to say that he cared about his legacy that means a lot that means a lot to me because you know he's kind of like that that next face after jeter we were kind of missing a guy like that do i think he's on Derek jeter's level absolutely not but he's the next closest thing and he commands respect in the locker room from everybody the fans front office to some degree now they didn't respect him last year but now they do um you know he's he's the heart and soul of this team and we we can't go anywhere without him do i think this deal is going to bite us later yeah i think so i mean he's going to be 31 at the start of next year so this contract will take him into 40 like i don't think he's going to be worth 40 million dollars at age 38 39 40 but the Yankees are about now, right? We still have a window. So, you know, you can trade whatever. I don't know. Figure it out. Let's, let's you know, take advantage of the window that we have now with guys in our prime led by Aaron Judge. We don't want to ri- waste his prime. He is that good of a baseball player. He can be the best player on the team to take you to a World Series title. And it's it's more relief now for me. I expected him to re-sign John Heyman. Don't ever come to New York. I swear. Don't ever step foot in New York. You're not that was, allowed. That was brutal. That is awful. I don't want to, like, I have no respect for you now. I don't know where you're getting your sources from. That's terrible. Terrible reporting. You should be ashamed of yourself for doing that. But it was, it was tough as a Yankee fan. I was sick to my stomach. It was Texting everybody, I didn't know what to do. I was like, is this real? But a day later, it was all all back to normal. But now, for me, you know, obviously, Judge, we got him back. Now it's like, okay, Cashman, we need to, you know, step it up. Like, we got our guy back. But just because we re-signed Judge, that doesn't make us a better team or doesn't guarantee us to, you know, get to the playoffs or get to the World Series. We got to make moves. And who did we make? We got Tommy Canely, guy who I like, was on that original Baby Bomber team. But he's back in the bullpen. He's a solid piece coming over from the Dodgers. Um, but we we need more. We we need more. Look at all the money the Mets are spending. We we gotta we gotta be the big boys in New York. Show them who who the big boys are, and you know why we're always gonna be Big Brother. You know, let's get Carlos Rodon. I, I'm waiting for that one. That's the first one that should get. we should be getting. You know, Benintendi. 
Ryan Reynolds, maybe Pablo Lopez. I mean, just all these guys are out there. Let's let's go for it. You know, let's ride this Aaron Judge signing momentum and put together a team that that's going to compete for a championship. So that's the next step to me. And do I think this offseason is a success? No, I don't. Because I expected Aaron Judge to come back. So I need to see more as a Yankee fan. But it is a relief that we at least have our heart and soul back. We're not going to be a walking dead corpse going into the to next year with no identity. So I, I'm just more relieved than anything. But it's great to have Aaron back. We all love you, man. It's time to to finish what you started and get us that ring. Yeah. Um I mean, I would be stoked if I was you. So it's going to be interesting because now all the big names are starting to go off the free agent market, right? So obviously Judge, probably the biggest one. Uh, well, we can get to some of the other ones now. So Cody Bellinger, that was a big piece. Dodgers let him go. And he only he signed with Chicago for only 17 and a half, one year. So what does that tell me, right? Either he was really unhappy with how he was kind of used down the stretch by Dave Roberts and or, you know, it could just be the Dodgers don't see him as a valuable bat anymore. His glove will always be there, right? But I guess, you know, the struggles these past two years were a little too much to look away from right same thing it was kind of the same uh scenario with jock when jock left not really an average hitter during the regular season but i mean come postseason you know 2021 cody bellinger probably our best hitter in that playoff run right most clutch hitter but this year i mean sad to say didn't see it he we needed him justin turner in big spots who they also have not re-signed. Uh, kind of hard. I, it's kind of feels like the end of an era right now. Uh, no Justin Turner, no Cody Bellinger. Uh, Corey Seager is now got, has been gone, right, the past year. So it's kind of a new leaf, I think, turning over for the Dodgers uh, moving forward with the Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts core. Uh, we still got Clayton Kershaw. I think he's going to hang around until he's ready to retire, honestly. I think that's why he keeps signing these one year. His one year deal. He's gonna do that the whole time. Do that until he's ready to go. Uh he I mean, he's a family man and he has kids growing up now. So wouldn't be surprised if he's ready to call it pretty soon. But hey, as long as he keeps coming back, we'll take him, especially if it's for these one year deals. Um and just to comment on the Dodgers, right? So we didn't go big after Judge. Now, Xander Bogarts, you know, the shortstop position is something we needed to address. We don't go after him. I mean, I don't know if we were going to pay 11 years, 280 for him. Uh, so, Padres, you do you, right? I guess they're officially moving Tatis to the outfield. But I'm kind of glad the Dodgers didn't make that kind of offer to Bogarts. I mean, I like Bogarts. I think he's solid. But, you know, to me, what this kind of how do i say it? lack of activity this year from the dodgers at least so far to me is saying that 
and I hope this is true, next year's free agency market, they're going to go hard, and uh, Mr. Otani will be on the market. And I think that with you know the DH now being in the NL is perfect because it sounds like he wants to stay on the West Coast, right? Or he initially wanted to stay on the West Coast, right? That's why he didn't choose New York. And it sounds like he really wants to win. He's committed to winning. And he's well, let's just be honest with the way the Angels are set up now. It doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. So if the Dodgers are going to be patient this year, they better be making the biggest offer possible to show next year uh, to go get him because it just seems like a match made in heaven, right? He's going to stay in LA, but now he's on the Dodgers, who's kind of, you know, the dominant team. They're like the Lakers of LA, right? So he'll be the star. Uh, Two-way will get an all-MLB pitcher and hitter. Right. So that's what I'm praying for. Uh, Still need to address this year. But, you know, I just got to say, I'm I'm not worried about the pitching and pen as much this year. Mostly because we've seen now it's kind of been this trend of, you know, before it was always we take the Dodgers take these unknown hitters. Right. Max Muncie, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor. We take these guys that, you know, kind of had not so great careers, turn them into marquee guys in, in on our team. But, you know, recently it's been more we've been going after the big name hitters. And now our pitching, our, I don't know how our pitching staff, you know, coaches do it. But we take guys, Alex Wood, Rich Hill, uh, last year, Tyler Anderson, and turn them into you know, really elite starting pitchers. So I'm just banking on, I think they signed uh, Chris Bassett. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, not Chris Bassett. Um, I forgot who they got. Well, anyway, uh, I think, I just think they do a really good job of developing pitching. I don't know how, how they do it, but I'm not too concerned about the pitching. Now, we do need to fill the shortstop position. So is that I think there's one guy. That's Dansby, the guy. Right? He's got to be the guy. I think right that's now. who they're looking for. Uh and I wouldn't mind it. I'm the only thing I am a little interested to see is how much Dansby is going to get. Uh because it sounds like they're not getting Korea. They're going to listen to the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> That they're gonna listen to the perfect. That would have been perfect if they got Korea. Oh man! Well, they're gonna listen to the fan base, and they're not gonna sign Korea because they know what kind of outrage that would cause. Uh, so no Korea. I hey, I'm I don't care. I'm glad. I would have liked to have Bogarts because I think he's probably the most consistent hitter out of those three guys that were on the market. You know, since Trey left. Uh, Dansby though coming off a career year if he can keep up that uh, you know productivity in LA I would appreciate that because we know he's elite defensively so the only question is how much is he gonna cost because I personally don't want him to break the bank so we can't go after Shohei this year so I'll leave it up to you know 
the big boys in the front office. I know the shortstop is a position we're going to have to fill, but we got this guy, Miguel Vargas, coming up. He can play the infield. He's one of our top prospects. He played last year a little bit for us. So maybe it's time to just throw Gavin Lux into shortstop, his true position, and just pray he's productive out of the box. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but... If we're if we're silent this year and make a big push for Shohei next year, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> sure, a lot of teams are going to be going after him anyway, but that's just my little take on the Dodgers so far. But other than that, yeah, it's, there's been a lot of a lot of action. Uh, we'll just run through some of these real quick. So Jaden lost his boy, right? Mitch Haniger goes to uh, the Giants. I'm happy with that one. <laughs> that was their consolation prize for not getting judged. So good job, New uh, San Fran. Good job. Yeah, I'm not too happy about that one. Um, Taiwan Walker, though, four years, 72 mil. That's a pretty good deal for him, I think, to go go to the Phillies. And hey, Phillies, man, they were so close last year. They could taste that ring. And uh, yeah. they're saying, all right, we're so close. Let's just go for it. Right. They got Trey. Now they got another arm that, you know, I think we all, we both agreed their pitching was kind of lackluster compared to the Astros. And so, hey, they're going making a big push, getting another arm, adding to that explosive offense that they have now. Kenley Jansen goes to Boston. You know, interesting <laughs> little pickup there. I mean, we'll see how Boston does. They lost Bogarts now. Uh, but they picked up uh, the uh, Japanese, he's the outfielder, right? Is that the outfielder? Yeah, Yoshida. So he's supposed to be pretty good. Uh, we'll see how how that works out. But I mean, the Japanese players that have been coming in, uh, have been pretty effective, I would say, recently. So I can't imagine this would would be any different. Gonna be interesting to see how Boston is. I still think they have a lot of talent. They just couldn't put it together last year. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure you're. I'm not worried about them. (laughs) No, they like the Yankees kept Judge. He's the heart and soul. The Boston Boston lost theirs in Bogarts, and I'm thrilled. I'm so happy with that. What a foolish organization. Let (laughs) you guys do you. We'll focus on us. Uh, yeah. I mean, they still got Devers, but he gonna leave too. (laughs) They're gonna have. Uh... They're gonna have build around Verdugo. Verdugo, yeah. Um, this is a big one. I thought Wilson Contreras goes to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, Yachty out the door now. So this is to me, this is a big bat. It's a big bat for the Cardinals, and he stayed in the NL Central, so he's gonna torment those poor Cubs fans for years to come, right? Um, that'll be kind of interesting. I think that makes. I mean, the Cardinals' offense is already pretty scary, but that just adds another bat to, you know, so they're stacking up too, and they were in the playoffs. Uh, They just, their guys didn't show up when it counted, but they got Contreras, Arnado, Goldschmidt now, Edmund. Yeah, that's a a scary roster right there if they can put that together. Um, So that's definitely a team to look out for. And then uh, Brandon Nimmo, the uh, average king, I guess you could say, whatever, hit percentage king resigns with the Mets that's just feels like a solid piece for both or solid deal for both sides eight years 
168 mil. I mean, he's not going to break the bank, but he's a solid piece that has played well for them uh, and a, just a consistent bat throughout their lineup. So I think that's a good good deal for both parties there. Uh, they also got Kodai Senga. Is this the pitcher? Was this the pitcher? So He's a Japan pitcher too. He's the other Japanese pitcher. Uh, that would be kind of interesting to see how, how he works out. Cause he throws pretty hard too, right? I think he's the one that... he can top a hundred. Um, so Mets, man, stacking up again, right? They they lose the ground, but hey, let's get Mr. Verlander. Let's get another hard thrower from Japan. Let's keep uh Mr. Nimmo, who's kind of been Mr. Consistent for us. The the Mets are gonna be right there again with the hey, Yankees, I think. All <laughs> all of that money just to choke it away in September. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, there's still going to be a threat, I think, uh, in the regular season. We'll see if the Mets can pull it out late in the year, though. Like I said, right, Matt? It's only is it September yet? No, it's not time to worry. But yeah, we'll see how the Mets do do with those signings. Uh, Sean Mana Manaea Manaya, I don't know how they pronounce it. How saw was Manaea? I don't know if that's just like they're from Hawaii and that's how he pronounce things. But he goes to the Giants, two years, 25 mil. Eh, it's kind of a, hot, a streaky pitcher, right? Uh, Dodgers have seen him plenty since he was in San Diego. So I'm not too worried about that signing at all. Uh, Chris Bassett. Oh, so, so yeah, he went to the Blue Jays. They were The Dodgers were looking at him, kind of bummed they didn't get him. That would have been a nice arm to get. Uh, but instead, he goes to the Blue Jays, who I'm sure you're not worried about. Uh, yeah. As usual, and then uh, Sean Murphy. So the Oakland, Oakland. They're still Oakland. <laughs> Every time I say <laughs> Oakland, soon, to, soon like, to be Vegas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta make sure I'm talking about the right. So the Oakland traded. Uh, he was probably their best player, best offensive player, maybe. Yeah, probably the only guy I know on the A's yeah. at this point. So he goes to Atlanta, and uh, William Contreras goes to Milwaukee. So that's. Kind of an interesting little deal there. Uh, eh, not not huge, huge waves, I would say. They have, yeah, got a uh, plethora of catchers now because yeah. they have Darno too. Oh, that's true. So it's, it's yeah, interesting, interesting trade I there. I could see William just moving to DH though, no? Yeah, DH or outfitter. I mean, he wasn't really the best defensive catcher, so he might be like Schwarber. Schwarber was a catcher to start. Wasn't really good defensively, and they turned him into a DH and outfielder. So, I could see something like that for William Contreras, not Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Uh, and then, do we talk? Did Colton already sign last week? Was yeah, he, he did. Already? Okay, so we did talk about that. Um, not yeah. too worried about that. Yeah, yeah whatever. We'll, we'll let before the season starts. We'll get Jaden's full breakdown on that uh, early next year. So, we'll see about that. Uh, other than that, though, you know, pretty just yeah, just not... waiting for Rodon, man. That's that's the one I'm waiting for. Got to get that snowball effect. Yeah, well, we'll see how all these pieces come together, but uh, yeah, Dodgers kind of surprised. Little lack of lack of moves. Usually, we're big players. We were the new Yankees, right? So, um, ah, we'll see. We'll see. We still got a bunch of good guys uh, on the roster. So 
I'm not too worried, but we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, let's transition really fast. College football. So no surprise here. We both guessed it. Caleb Williams won the Heisman. Pretty funny, though, because the other three guys are in the playoffs. He made a funny little comment there, right? Uh, the other guys are in the playoff, but he wins the Heisman. So, eh. I mean, not surprised. He's He's been the best player, I think, all year. Um, and that's what Lincoln Riley's going to do, right? He's going to produce quarterbacks that win the Heisman. Uh, so that trend is still going strong. USC as a team, however, I mean, that's another story. But uh, not not really, right? We, we weren't surprised by, by this. Uh, I was surprised, but yeah. Somehow, like... Like his speech was nice too. Like I, I like to watch all the Heisman speeches because I feel like you know a lot of emotion comes out. But there's something about Caleb Williams where it's like, do I believe really everything that he's saying? Like, I really don't. <laughs> you think he's kind of cocky? I I think it's it's yeah he's kind of just showing it to show. <laughs> Even his comments about I don't know if you saw that about they asked him about Patrick Mahomes. And he was like, there isn't anything that he can't do that I can do. I'm like, you know, like, this kid's ego is just... It's getting... that new generation, Matt. I'm it's like, you. oh, gosh. like Their egos are just mega inflated now. You really... I mean, I know you're good, but... I mean, Mahomes is the, the golden standard of quarterbacks right now. He's best quarterback I, in the hey, league. Hey, you ask any of like, these, you know, even like the That makes me sick. Even the younger quarterbacks in the league, right? You ask Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Herbert, Burrow, Tua, uh, you know, at least those guys. You ask them any questions like that, they're all very well PR trained. And I just think in general, they're still pretty humble guys, right? Like, Yeah, I think Mahomes is humble. Yeah, they'll all, I mean, they play with confidence and swag on the field, Mm -hmm. but they'll always credit their teammates, you know, They'll take accountability, um, unlike a Mr. Wilson, right? That we saw a couple weeks ago. So, you know, maybe that's something to look forward or not look forward to, but keep an eye on moving forward with Caleb Williams as, you know, he goes into next year and uh, starts to get looked at uh, for for to be a franchise quarterback. So that's something we'll keep an eye on now uh, with that that attitude of his. So. Anyway, um, we haven't talked too much basketball recently. And, I mean, now that it's getting crunch time for the, you know, the home stretch in the NFL, probably going to be putting a lot of energy into that. But a couple of basketball things you just I just wanted to point out. Uh, the Pelicans, first of all, not I'm not it's not that I'm surprised that they're playing well. I am surprised they're first in the West. At the at the moment, uh, playing that well, but you know, I really like objectively look at their roster right now, and they have no Herb Jones, who was a big piece for them last year, right? He was a rookie that gave him a spark, and no Brandon Ingram, an All Star, right? Proven twenty point guy, solid mid range, uh, lots of length on the defensive end, and yet here they are, just like stomping everyone they just beat you know phoenix who we'll get into in a little bit but this team looks really deep and really good they got all the role players they have shooting 
Zion is back healthy and he looks he looks good. good. Yeah. yeah. He looks good. Does he have the same explosiveness? Doesn't look like he lost any power either. Um, I think that's the thing a lot of people were concerned about. If he lost weight, right? Is he gonna lose the power? He still got that. CJ is still there. He's he's pretty much I view CJ as kind of the leader of that team now. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? So he's the, the leader. He's can still if he wants to go out and drop 20, 25 points a game, you know, his mid range is still there. His handle is still there. Uh, they got guys like Larry Nance playing really well. So that Pelicans team really. Hey, deep. don't forget Mr. Alvarado. Mr. Alvarado. Can't forget about him. Uh, he put up, even he put up 38 points in a game this year. So he's capable of going. Up. It's like, man, they, the way that they rebuilt and restructured after Anthony Davis. Uh I got to give props to to that Pelicans organization because right now it's paying off mightily. And we were all thinking, oh, Jaws going to be the best Jaws going to be. Zion said, "Hey, don't forget about me from that class, right?" And so I mean, he just it looks unreal right now. He still got the bounce, the finish, the hustle. It's all there. All the good things we we love from Zion coming out of Duke, right? It's there, and it's just more refined now. So he's more efficient. He he's playing within like within himself, and that Pelicans team, man, they're gonna be scary come come playoff time. Uh, but like I touched on before, the Suns kind of are they becoming the villains of the NBA? I don't know. Not a good reputation in the past couple of weeks to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a mix. I think they're trying to be villains, but they're coming off more, at least to me, it's like not annoying, but kind of like panties, <laughs> <laughs> like, like a little fake tough, right? Maybe that's the word. Um, mm. Whether it's the like taunt, you know, they're standing over guys. Uh, they got mad when Zion, Zion tomahawked on them. Uh just kind of making all this show. A... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All that. And then they did the same thing to other guys before. It's like, ah, you guys are hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> it's the NBA. Grow up. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of weird because I've been a Chris Paul fan. But the more and more I watch him recently, like, I don't know. I'm starting to think maybe Chris Paul is a little sneaky, you know, <laughs> Maybe with some outside NBA outside. news. <laughs> yes. Yeah, some some uh, Kanye rumor leaks, you know. Hmm. What's really going on in that yeah. that Paul household? But uh, we'll see. The season's still early, right? Like we said, the the West is so so crazy. Um uh, Blazers look good tonight. Dame eleven threes. Uh but you know, a lot of teams look good, Matt. Uh, even the Lakers, yeah. they've they picked it up since their really rough start. Anthony Davis and LeBron now playing at a really high level. Still praying Anthony Davis stays healthy this year, please. Um, but yeah, Lakers finally found their groove a little bit. But I don't I don't know what it is, Matt. And we we're talking a little bit about this before the pod, but this season it just seems so close. Right. So the West is, I think, the one through 
10 seeds are like within six games, like five games, six games. Uh, I mean, yeah, the even East, the Lakers, yeah, they're even the 12, Lakers are they're seven games out. That's not terrible for being mm -hmm. 12. And uh, I mean, the East, it's a little more skewed, a little bit more top heavy, but uh, one through 10 separated by eight games. Not crazy. You know, they're pretty much one, one behind each other. But I, I would just, I'm just been thinking like, what, what is it about the NBA this year that everything's so close? So is it just a lot of teams are good now? A lot of players, the skill level is closing on the elite level players and, you know, the rest of the league. Because, I mean, we even think of guys that are borderline all-stars, right? Uh, that have never quite made it. Like, CJ McCollum, never really an all-star guy, right? But we consider him a high-level player in the league. Um, it's just guys like that that, you know, starting to... Maybe the skill gap is just shrinking a little bit. I think so. You look at the the draft prospects too, right? Like, obviously next year at Victor and Mayama. I mean, freaks like that don't happen too often. But you know, you're getting guys like him, uh, like Bobo, like even Luca coming out, Zion coming out. Shea you're getting a lot been, of those, yeah, playing really well. Those yeah. you know, big time stars. You know, it seems kind of more often they're coming out. It's not like where it was, oh, LeBron's coming out, and then you wait. You know, I don't know, however many years. And then, oh, KD, you know, five five years maybe. But now it seems like every year there's always some kind of stud coming out in the in the draft. And, you know, my guy this year, Paulo Bancaro, little rookie slump. But, hey, he, he, he's showing some flash, I think, of why he, he can be a, a big-time player, you know, within the next, you know, three years maybe, hopefully be an all-star. But... Yeah, I think it's more of the the young guys really coming up, and you they're just freaks they're now. Yeah, and they're and yeah. they're just they're NBA, NBA ready. Ready. Um, yeah, I agree. It's I think it's good for the NBA. Honestly, um, they might you know once LeBron leaves, they might not have that guy. Uh, they'll probably it'll probably be Steph, you know, for a little bit. Giannis, right? But Luca. It's like every team now. I mean, I'll just run through these these teams just really, really fast, right? You got Boston, Tatum and Jalen Brown, Giannis in Milwaukee, right? Cleveland now has a mix of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Brooklyn, they got KD and Kyrie, Philadelphia, Embiid, Anna Harden. Even New York has been a solid team this year. Uh, they got Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle. So like, you know, Every team now, it seems like it has a guy. And the West, I mean, it's even more stacked, right? New Orleans has, like, Zion. There's Jaw. You got Jokic, Booker. I mean, Sacramento has been probably the biggest surprise this year. Uh, You know, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis are winning games. Portland, we got Dame. But, you know, Ant Simons and Shaden Sharp are got next to uh, – the Clippers, Kawhi, and Paul George is back. It's like every team, uh, pretty much in the West, at least for sure, has their guy. Like one through uh thirteen, let's call it. Every every team has like their core pieces on that team. 
Uh, and even the Spurs, I mean, you know, they're young, they're scrappy. Houston as well, they're young. They got a lot of talented guys that, I mean, they're probably just, they probably need a little bit more maturity in my opinion. Uh, but this, the league is fun, man. It's it's fun to watch. And I, I think this is going to be the trend in years to come. So it's going to be a little bit different from uh, a top-heavy system, I think. But I think that'll make for great playoff basketball. Because in my opinion, playoff basketball is one of the better things to watch um and so if now your first round games you know one through eight the that first round is an exciting series that's just great for the nba and great for ratings so that'll be interesting to see i really want to see how the year ends though will they all still be within four games at the end uh we'll see but at least right now yeah it's pretty interesting okay um Let's round it out here, Matt. Hawaii basketball. So at least we won the game, right? <sighs> we won in at the the end. It was a convincing fashion, but they had one guy. What's his name? Josh Cohen. Josh Cohen. I dropped. 40 he looked like. Uh, yeah, I was at the game. I mean, he okay. looked like like Jokic. Like just, they couldn't stop him. It was ridiculous, and I think he had like twenty. Like twenty five, like twenty five points, maybe at the, at the half. Jeez. I mean, it was it was absurd, and it was a lot of you know bad defense too, right? They're just leaving their guy one on one, not sending help. They're letting him, you know, just shoot him right over the top, and he's six eleven maybe, so he's pretty tall. So there wasn't really any adjustment there, but you know, UH as a whole, um, you know, it was a little shaky start as usual. Uh, they're coming into this game, two-game losing streak. Obviously, they had that bad loss at home to Texas A&M Commerce, and then they went on the road this past week well, to UNLV. Yeah, and, you know, what do you expect, right? You know, they just got beat by a much more talented team. But it was nice to see, you know, more, you know, certain guys to me kind of stepping up, breaking out of their funks a little bit. Um you know, obviously Kamaka Hepo was the big guy for UH this game. He had 30 points, a career high. You know, he was doing good uh, from the three-point line. But, you know, still want to see him be a little more aggressive inside. Um, I just think with that height and that size, he can be a force inside. And I know he's not a true big man, but that'll have some kind of balance to me, especially with that size and skill set. So um, look to see a little bit more from him, but it was nice to see him have a nice game. Um, Samuta. Oh my goodness! Oh, finally! Thank good, thank goodness. I mean, first half was rough again, you know, pressing. But I don't know what happened in the second half, but he he turned it on, and it was like that's the old Samuta we know, right? A guy who was just he was putting his head down, like no one's gonna stop me from getting to the basket. It was like kind of like LeBron. That that nice. Oh yeah, he had the alley oop from Jovan. He also had a nice blow by dunk, like just was on the wing, took two steps, and just threw it down. I mean, that that's the old Samuta. And if he just has that intact mentality, you know, he's a good free throw shooter too. So I, I like that he was aggressive and just in time for the Diamond Head Classic next week. Um, but also, Beyond Riley off the bench has been playing phenomenal. He's a freshman, Played, right? He's a sophomore. Oh, sophomore. Harry Ruliadev is the, the big freshman. But he, he had a pretty quiet game. But beyond, he was on the team last year. 
I call him, you know, Hawaii's version of Kyler Murray. Kind of looks like him a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a nice spark plug, though. He, he's an energizer player. Just, just yeah. he's got the size. Not the greatest shooter, but he just he's always around the ball. Whether it's a loose ball, gets an offensive rebound, putbacks. I mean, he just makes those hustle plays. And I think you need a guy like that to, especially off the bench too, to bring that spark. And he he's been a a godsend this year. Much much improved from last year. Justice Jackson, probably my favorite point guard, um, gave me a high five yesterday. So shout out to you, Justice, nice. uh, for being a being the dude. Um, but he he was awesome last uh, last night, uh, knocking down his threes, uh, just hitting the open shots. So they're peaking, I think, right in time for the Diamond Head Classic. So I'm excited for that next week. But they got a little break, yeah. so hopefully they don't get cold. <laughs> we just need Coleman to get going. Yeah, he's he's been struggling a little bit, but I'm not gonna panic about him. I mean, he's their he's their best score. You know, guys go through slumps, so I'm not gonna be worried about a score being in a slump. He's he's gonna figure it out. <sighs> okay, well, great. Yeah, maybe I'll I might go to the Diamond Head Classic. Maybe I'll try to get some tickets. Yes, you should. You yeah, should. Be fun to watch. Um, okay, well, that was a good pod, Matt. Uh, coming up on the end here, so why don't you round us out? Sports fact of the day today. All right, so we are recording on December 12th. So back in 1968, uh, a little different take here. Arthur Ashe became the first African-American player to be ranked number one in tennis. You know, another color barrier, you know, athlete, obviously like Jackie Robinson, you know, these African-Americans really making their their stance in sports in that era. So nice to see that that growth in sports as we go along today as well. Oh yeah, still got growing to do, but yep. I think, uh, yeah, they'd be pretty happy to see how we we're doing sixty years from then. So, okay, perfect timing. Uh, that'll wrap up this pod. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again after another big week of NFL games breakdown for you guys next week. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.